I forgot that Go Down Moses is in the hymnal. Um, and I didn't know our organ could do that. Thank you, Matthew. That was wonderful. Thank you. So the readings seem to ask us today to think about where we assume God is. What do you assume is of God? Is God act, God's action or inaction? And how is God calling you? So a joke about the burning bush, and there are many. Um, this one is from a book entitled What Passersby Said About the Burning Bush. Um, for real, right? And it includes as one of the things what passersby said, ignore it, it's only trying to get attention. Yes, and it is. It is God seeking Moses' attention. It says in the reading today that Moses goes to Mount Horeb. Some people say it's the same as Mount Sinai. It's a big debate. Seems unsettled to me, but he goes to Mount Horeb. And it says that it means the mountain of God, Mount Horeb. So you might think that if Moses is going to Mount Horeb, which means the mountain of God, Moses expects to encounter God. It might be a place to keep your eyes peeled for a God sighting, but maybe for them or for him, it had just become a place name, like the ones we've all grown used to that don't cause us to think about their meaning anymore, right? I mean, how many of you, when you say Georgia, think of old King George, right? <laughs> or like Ukraine, which means a borderland. A borderland, its vulnerability so horribly visible to all of us in this time of war in that borderland country. So Moses goes to Horeb because he is grazing his um, flock or herds, and there, there he encounters a bush that shoots flames, it says. It burns and burns but does not burn up. Now I wonder how long you have to watch a fire to notice that the fuel doesn't seem to be burning. We had a little fire pit going here last night, and like everybody else, when there's a fire, I just watched it. Took a long time to notice what was happening in that fire, right? You just see flames. But I'm guessing a good long time to see what that verse tells us so quickly. So did he walk past it or around it or approach it for a long time and wonder what was going on? Or did he return and notice it was still going? Or was a fire an unusual sight on that mountain of God? We don't know. Or were there many like him standing awestruck in front of a shrub? We don't know. How did he figure out that bush itself was still whole? We don't know. Some Jewish mystics say that bush is still burning today. And oh, don't we seek to find it. God seeks us out calls out to the prophet and the liberator and to you, inviting you to take off your shoes and bow deep. Here I am, will say the child Samuel, like Moses. Here I am, says we, the Christians. Send me, says Isaiah. So Moses goes over to see why that is so, that this bush is not burned up. And you can't help but watch a fire sometimes, its awesome destructive power and its warmth, that civilizing force that means that we can eat cooked food, right? We can harden metals. 
live in difficult climates, keep the lions away. Moses, the murderer, prince of Egypt, child of his mother, herder, if the mountain of God stands transfixed by a wildfire and hears the flames calling his name, Moses. God calls out to Moses that God has seen the suffering of God's people and will be setting them free. God, the God of Moses' free ancestors, it says, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the fire says. The fire does not say the God of Miriam or his parents, enslaved. The God of promise tells poor old Moses to humble himself to hear his charge, and it is a mighty one, to be the great liberator of history, the savior of a people seemingly doomed. Moses, is, Moses sensibly points out that he is not equipped for this task. He would not even know how to tell his own kin who this God is he has heard from in this wild place. I am is my name, God says. I am, eheh, in Hebrew, I am. Not helpful, frankly, right? The God of your ancestors will go with you. Remember your story. Remember who you are. At the Jewish Theological Seminary in New York, above the front doors is a relief of the burning bush of this story. It's a little bush on, with flames coming out of it. It looks like the Methodist little fire, right? And it says in Hebrew above it, the bush was not consumed. Invoking in those few words in Hebrew over those doors that students walk into the tradition of their ancestors, so incongruous on Broadway and 122nd Street in West Harlem. The great I am staking a claim on your life as detached and lonely, as isolated as you might feel, I am. That God of the holy ground and flaming shrubbery calls up the unsuspecting like Moses and you, calls us to ourselves, our people, our past, into futures for which we are absolutely sure and right to say we are utterly unequipped. And as we know from the Moses story, he's just getting started. There's a lot more to go, but here on Mount Horeb, Moses begins his journey from a man doing the best he can to survive in tough circumstances to a hero for all time, to all who toil under the boot of oppression. Now in Luke, Jesus tells a story in response to the great violence that Rome is inflicting upon his community a great violence that causes the people to ask when mercy will come, when God will come for them. Their blood mingled with the blood of their offerings at the temple, we heard, a violence so great that it is the thing that we are talking about in relation to Jesus this time of year as we approach Holy Week, that the power of the Roman Empire, like the power of the Pharaoh, can cast a shadow of terror on the daily lives of everyone that Jesus, like Moses, would have known. So Jesus tells a story. A man plants a fig tree. And after some time, it does not bear fruit. Three years, 
He instructs the gardener to cut it down. But the gardener, who must have been tending it, you know how you gardeners are, you notice the one struggling, right? Must have been tending it through all its failing years. Asks for one more year to apply a little more fertilizer to support and enrich its environment. One more year. Maybe the tree can figure out how to take it in. Makes you wonder how many times he might have asked this before as well. Now I'm thinking the people saw themselves in the fig tree. You probably saw yourself in that fig tree. That's how that story is set up for us, right? Something is wrong in the world. Our suffering is so great. Their suffering was so great. Surely the fruit would have been peace or maybe even freedom, maybe justice, but at least some peace. Most of us make God the owner of the land in these readings that are about false gods. Be careful. And maybe it is so, God our creator, but it seems more important to me that God is the gardener. Jesus is literally confused for the gardener at the resurrection by Mary Magdalene at the end of the same book at Luke. And supposing he is the gardener, believing in our potential to find life, to stand in the sun, maybe in the year to come to get enough of what we need to flourish, to figure it out. If not in this year, then maybe the next. And it sure does feel like this gardener of ours could wait a long time. Like that bush that still burns on Horeb, the mystics say, that birthed the compassionate community of those great commandments, that led the people in the wild places, clearing a path for wanderers, that still burns today in the heart of every seeker of freedom, of peace, of justice, that carries truth and hope to the forgotten places and the forgotten people. In the Jewish tradition, you can take a reading like we read today and do a little bit of what I did, but you can do it for a long time. Read it close. Christians do it too, but that kind of textual study for us comes from the rabbis. Read close and wonder why and ask a question and fill it out. Tell ourselves more, more and more. Like you could ask, how did the Red Sea part, that Red Sea that we're baptized in that we hear in Corinthians? Moses leads his people out of Egypt, and yes, but it's through the Red Sea waters parting that the story really gets going. Remember, they get to the sea, the horse and chariots of Egypt are coming upon them. The people had to be so afraid, maybe even angry at Moses. Did they really think the Egyptians would just let all the laborer leave? So one reading of the story is that as the Egyptians are coming upon them, dust rising in the far distance, terror bearing down upon them, Moses praying to God for a plan, where's a burning bush when you need one? The people are talking among themselves and worrying. Some people begin to wail. It doesn't look good. And this one guy, Naktun, a nobody, takes a step forward into the sea, and then another, and then another and the water is rising as he walks, his eyes forward and fixed. He just keeps walking to where he knows they must go. And it says that he walks and walks, and as the water rises, the water parts. Another version of the story is that as the people are walking through those waters, the walls of water on either side 
they look to the left and in that wall of water, they see all of those ancestors, free and not free, all of the generations before them standing like a guard, protectors like gardeners as they walk. And then turning the other way to the right, they see the future, all of the generations to come that will come because of their journey. So when you are done, and pretty sure there is no point, that your best is not enough, that there is no fruit for your efforts, that fig trees are getting chopped down all the time. Remember that the gardener is patient and has some nourishment for you and will again, and you are not alone. And yes, friend, the world is on fire and it will never go out and it is calling your name. So please take your shoes off and remember that there is holy ground and you have walked upon it. The great I am knows your name and calls to you and wants your attention because God sees the suffering of God's people and the people will be free. <laughs>